Let's, uh, let's read together from uh, Acts chapter 2 and, uh, and verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's just pray together, shall we, and then we'll get stuck into this. Heavenly Father, we just thank you again for your word. We thank you for the truth that we, we find there. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that, uh, that you, you give us a model for how to live in a way that brings praise to you and glory to you and honour to you. Lord, I just pray that as we look into this, you would speak to us. You would challenge us afresh, but more than that, you would excite us. You would draw us forward by your grace. Lord, we love you. We love your word. Just speak to us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to do uh, two things this morning that are a little unusual. Uh, I want to be uh, quite open and, and honest with you, but that's not unusual. The first unusual thing is uh, that I want to speak this morning entirely on the subject of community groups, uh, the, the small groups that, that we meet in as a church. I had a, a few people uh, say to me over the summer, that they were asking really, they were saying, well, am I right in thinking community group is still like, a really important thing in the church? Because, do you know, we don't hear it preached on very often. And, uh, and that kind of resonated with me. I thought, well, yeah, fair cop. I think it is time. You know, we need to make sure that we do keep a focus on our community groups because they are a core part of what we're about as a church. So this morning I'm going to be really focusing on our community group life. And the second thing I'm going to do, which is slightly unusual, is uh, I'm repeating myself to some extent because what I'm saying this morning, I largely said to the uh, meeting of the uh, community group leaders and assistant leaders and supervisors uh, earlier in the month. So if you came to that meeting, then, uh, then I apologise. You will have heard some of this before. Um, I used to give uh, talks at engineering conferences to, to a bunch of engineers. And one very old, wise engineer said to me once, Whenever you speak, make sure that 80% of your audience will already know 80% of what you're going to say. And that way they'll feel good about themselves and they're more likely to hear the other 20%. So I don't know how true that is, but, uh, but if you've heard some of this before, then, then I apologise. We structure our church into community groups. We have 29 community groups currently. That includes the, the group which, uh, which is Emerge, the, the older youth. It also includes three groups which are the younger youth, Engage. And uh, there's three groups of that that meet in people's homes. So that leaves 25 groups which are the, uh, 
the sort of the, the run-of-the-mill, the, the adult community groups. That's quite a high number. And actually, as a church, we have a very high level of engagement in our community groups. There are very few people who consider themselves part of Winchester Family Church and yet couldn't sort of tell you straight off the bat which group they're a, a part of. Of course, the level of engagement does vary. But actually, we do really well, I think. We, we are stuck in and engaged with our community groups. And over the last sort of 12 months, we've, we've had much to, to give God thanks for. You know, we've seen lots of good stuff happening, groups multiplying, new leaders coming through. There's also been one or two kind of creaks and, and strains and, and, uh, and, and different things going on. And, and, and you do just occasionally, well, I do occasionally, pick up the odd question. People just asking, well, why, why do we do this? Why, why do we have community groups? What, what is the real purpose? And do you know what? I think it is okay to ask those kind of fundamental questions. As long as we, with a, a sort of an attitude of, of sort of humility and, and, and grace, I think it's okay. We need to be sure. Why are we doing this? And actually, over the summer, I took a bit of time myself to really kind of dig into that very question. Why are we doing this? Why do we have community groups? Are we wasting our time? Is this a thing of, of value? And uh, I came to be convinced all over again that actually our community group life is essential. And that's what I want to dig into today. Questions that you often ask, questions that you often hear asked are things like, why can't I just spend time with my church friends? You know, I've, I've got good friends, they're this person and that person, but they're not in my community group. It's a common question. You hear people say, why can't I just witness to my own friends and kind of reach out with my faith to my non-Christian friends? I don't really see what my community group kind of has to do with that. And, and frankly, I'm not sure I could invite my friends to my group. They'd, they'd think it was weird. That's a common question. Another question I hear is, well, my walk with God is just fine. You know, I've got my relationship with Jesus and, and I'm going on with him. I don't really see what, what the relevance of community group is. I, I don't see the value in it. And these are some of the questions. I think it's okay to ask those questions. And I believe there are good answers and that's what I want to look at today. This passage in Acts chapter 2 is a, a wonderful insight into the life of the, the church right at its very beginning. They've had Jesus with them, he's risen from the dead, he's ascended into heaven. The Holy Spirit has, has fallen on them, on them at Pentecost. Thousands have been saved. And now this is it. This is the church now, beginning church life. And we get wonderful insight into the, the values and the, the characteristics of church life. And we endeavour to model who we are and what we are as a church on what we read there in Acts. And throughout Acts, really. That's what we aim to do. We want to be like this. Now, I think the real secret to the, the why community group question is found in that very first word of this passage, they devoted themselves. There are lots of words that follow that kind of give you hints and, and kind of flavours. You know, they, they met in people's homes was to break bread. Was, was, is that it? Now, I think the real key is 
They were devoted. Now, this word devoted is uh, a word that we can easily misunderstand because we tend to think that being devoted is, is like a, a, a warm, fluffy feeling. You know, I could say that I'm devoted to my wife. No, I could say, I do say, I am devoted to my wife, to Ali. And it's kind of like, it's like a warm, gooey sort of heart feeling. And, and that's what we think devotion is, don't we? Devoted. But that's not really what this word means. When you read that they were devoted, what it means is they really prioritized this stuff. They really kind of pressed in. There's a, a time aspect to it. In fact, the very same word is used later in the passage in, in verse 46 when it says every day they continued to meet together. That word continued is exactly the same word in the original language as, as the word devoted. There's kind of like a time aspect. There's a patient, kind of determined, we're sticking with this. And that's what that word means. In fact, to put a modern kind of buzzword on it, it means intentional. And if you were at, uh, a few of us were at the J. John training day on, on Tuesday, just gone, and we had an excellent time there, just hearing from J. John. And I, I picked up, because obviously I was thinking about this, but I picked up that he used this word a lot, intentional. The early church were intentional in the things that God had called them to. And uh, so we need to know what this word intentional means. And, and uh, I don't always turn to dictionaries, but uh, as I was telling the, uh, the community group leaders, I, I, I did turn to a dictionary to, to see what this word means. And I looked it up in my uh, puffin book of my first words, and it wasn't in there. So, so instead, I went to uh, online dictionaries to look up this word intentional. I looked in a dictionary called Searle of 1983, and it says this. That property of mental states and events by which they are directed at or about or of objects and states of affairs in the world. I thought, okay. So I looked at another dictionary. I looked at one called Eid in 1986, and it says this. Intentional. A structure which correlates all things experienced with the mode of experience to which experience is referenced. (laughs) So that clears that up. We need a better definition for intentional, and I think this is it. This is my definition. Intentional means that we don't just do something. We make sure that we do it, and we do it well. Whatever it is, we don't just do it. We make sure that we do it, and we do it well. That's what it means. It means we perhaps go even a little bit overboard. This is a decision of the will. It's not a a feeling. It's not a heart thing. It's a head thing. We decide to do it. We determine in our spirits that we're going to do it. And we've seen this in other areas of our life as a church together. We, uh, I think we saw it in the whole way we welcome visitors to our, our midst. And if you're a visitor, I hope, I really hope you've been welcomed this morning. I guess a couple of years ago, maybe, maybe longer ago, you know, we knew welcome was important. We knew it was something we should be doing as a church. But we realized that actually, now we need to be intentional. 
And so we relaunched the welcome team, we put them in orange t-shirts, we, we kind of thought about exactly how we're doing this, how are we making sure we do this. And I think we have seen the, the, the good of that. We, we've, we've, we've benefited from that, being intentional, making sure we do it and do it well. I think we've seen it in our youth as well. Maybe going back, say, I don't know, five years or so. We were just kind of hoping that our, our youth, our teenagers, kind of stuck with God and, and, and stuck with church. But then you come to a point where you think, no, we don't just want to leave this to sort of chance and be vague about it. We need to make sure. And, and so it causes us to kind of refocus and, and put our efforts again in, into what we're doing with our youth. And again, I think we've seen the benefit of that. It's being intentional. And you know what? I think that is what community, community group is about. It's about making sure that we fulfill our calling as a church. That we don't just be vague about it, but we make sure we do it and we do it well. Do you know what? I think there is a, a, a mandate from God to be intentional. Our God is intentional. There's one verse I want to put up on the screen. It's Matthew 11 verse 12, which says this. It's like instant. Matthew 11 verse 12 says this. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. You see, God's plan is for his kingdom to come. Hence the Lord's prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's God's plan. It's for his kingdom, his rule and reign to extend on this earth. And here we see in this verse that that Jesus says that God himself is intentional in the way that his kingdom advances. It's forcefully advancing. It's intentionally advancing. This is God's plan. And it also says that you and I are the agents of God's kingdom. It comes as we play our part, as we do our stuff, as we follow God's calling and build church in the way that he's called us to build it. So we need to be forceful. It's forceful men that lay hold of the kingdom of God. And that word forceful means strategic. It means persistent, like a dog with a bone. It means intentional in order that we see it happen. So let's kind of go right around the loop then. So when we read Acts 2, and we read about the church, and we think, oh, that that looks so good. We really want to see that happen. And then you come to this question, why do we have community groups? Well, I think it is us being intentional. I think it's us seeing that church described in the book of Acts, and saying we're not just going to kind of hope it happens, We're going to make sure it happens. And we're going to do it well. Well, I want to look at four areas where we need to be intentional in our church life. And then uh, see how community group just kind of helps us with that. Okay? The first one is that we need to be intentional in the application of God's word. Intentional in the application of God's word. People say, I go to church... I listen to the the, the sermon being preached. I do my best to apply it to my life and learn lessons and hear from God. But how does community group help? 
Well, there is a general problem, you see, with the advance of the kingdom of God. Although God's kingdom is advancing, and and when you hear God's word and it changes your life, that's God's kingdom coming to your life. But there are forces in this world that stack up against the advance of God's kingdom. There is a general worldliness. There is our own flesh, the the remnants of our sinful body and, and thought patterns. There is the devil himself who comes to deceive and accuse and and tempt us. And so wherever the kingdom is advancing, there are forces that seek to to stop that advance. You could call them kingdom killers. And when it comes to the application of God's word into our lives, there are kingdom killers. Things like forgetfulness. How often do you hear the sermon preached? It goes in that ear and somehow drops out that ear. Things like laziness. Frankly, we just can't really be bothered to, to apply God's word. There's, there's, a, there's a secrecy and, and, and a pride. and These things are kingdom killers. The only way to advance God's kingdom through the application of God's word into our lives is to be intentional. Well, the early church was devoted to the word of God. It says, verse 42... They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were intentional about it. You can see by what they did that they took seriously the application of Jesus' instructions to them. That the fellowship and the breaking of bread and and prayer, these were all things that Jesus had, had instructed them to do. And so... When they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, it wasn't just they wanted to be informed. This wasn't just a kind of theological training. No, this was about their practice. This was about how they lived their lives before God. Well, you can do that on your own. You can do that on your own. I'm not dismissing the sort of powerful work of God, but it's hard work. And it's not meant to be a, a solitary experience. There are no solitary activities in Acts chapter 2. It's all out there. It's all together. And you see that throughout the New Testament, don't you? The disciples learned their lessons in public, sometimes quite embarrassingly in front of the other disciples. Paul is an interesting case. He was on the road to Damascus and he had this powerful encounter with God. He actually met Jesus in person. In terms of hearing the word of God, that that was an amazing experience. Powerful. Changed his life. But what was the first thing that Paul did? He went round to Ananias' house and he spent time there with the disciples in Damascus kind of talking it out and sharing it with others and making sure he'd kind of got it right. You could say that he went to his community group. And so when we meet as community groups, we have the word section. And the word section is is there to serve you. It's there to help you. It's not a Bible study or a, a preaching opportunity. It is a chance for you to seal what God has been speaking to you by sharing it with others. And that, I think, is really being devoted to the word of God. Really being intentional in making sure that this isn't just words, but actually is life-changing stuff. I just encourage you to come to your community group meetings prepared to share what God has said to you. 
Not necessarily what you thought was dead clever from the sermon. I really like the way he linked that point with that point. It was really, just really good. Not necessarily what you think God might be saying to somebody else. I thought he really needed to hear that, didn't he? Now, what God is saying to you, and these questions, you know, on on the sheet, they're only a tool to kind of get our thinking in the right way and perhaps remind us, you know, the aim isn't to get to the bottom of the sheet and tick all the boxes. No, the aim is for us to be able to share what God is saying to us, to make sure that the word of God is applied. So, intentional in the application of God's word. Secondly, intentional in community. The kingdom of God is about community. And our tendency, unfortunately, is to think individually. If there's a kingdom killer, it's individualism. And our culture drives us to think individually. But God rarely relates to individuals. He's not gathering together a pile of bricks. He is constructing a a building to his praise and glory. You just look at Jesus and the way he worked. You look at Pentecost when the disciples were all gathered together and they received the Holy Spirit together. You look at the sending of Paul from the, the, the church in Antioch when the church was gathered together there, worshipping, and they heard God together. All the imagery for what the church is, a, a building, a, a temple, a body, a, a family, it's all corporate. Christianity is not a solitary experience. And we know that from, from Scripture, don't we? But we have to make sure that we are living it. To make sure that we are intentional. And, uh, and, and that's what Community Group enables us to do. The other thing that we hear people say is... is uh, well, it, it just revolves around our preference being to spend time and invest with our own friends. So people say from time to time, if I'm down, if I'm in trouble, I've, I've got friends that I go to. You know, I've got my close friends. They're this person, it's that person. They're, they're just not in my community group. You know, my friends are over here. What, what's this group doing down here? Well, do you know, the kingdom of God is... It's about loving your neighbour. And we need to do this intentionally, forcefully. It says the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. It was a decision of the will. I'm sure there were people there in Jerusalem who were uh, already friends and were delighted that each of them was saved and they were in the church then together. But you know what? I think there would have been some people there who were just a bit odd, who, who, who didn't really fit in. Now, I think that they were devoted to fellowship. And what that means is that they pressed through those things. They pressed through the differences that the world would point out because actually there was a much stronger bond. Actually, they were all in Christ. And that was what drew them together and knitted them together. But they had to press into that. They had to be intentional, devoted. They had to stick at it. There are more than 80 verses in the New Testament that talk about how we should treat one another, how we should love one another, how we should invest in one another. Galatians 5 talks about the the fruit of the Spirit, and it's things like patience and love and goodness gentleness, self-control. 
Now, meeting up with your friends is great, and of course we should do that. But you know what? If that's all we do, we never actually get the opportunity to demonstrate those, that fruit of the Spirit in our lives. You don't need to be patient when you're just with your best buddy. You don't need to exercise self-control. Actually, as God builds community with us, it doesn't just bless the people that we are are with, it enables God to challenge and work in us. Actually, many people see the real value of community group, community, when life does hit a struggle. And it's been, uh, obviously there's a lot of heartache involved with some of these crisis situations relating to health and other things in the church at the moment. But it is good. It does bless me to see community groups pulling together and getting behind people and, and supporting them. And sadly, I've seen the opposite, not this week, but you know, months, months ago, I've seen people hit problems and suddenly realize that there's nobody there around them in the church. We need to be in community. We need to be building community. Just to know, Acts 44, 45 says, All the believers were together, had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Some people use those verses to say that we should all sell up everything and pool all our our money and finances in one central pot. And that's what it means to be New Testament church. Do you know what? There is no mandate for that in Scripture. You can see many occasions through the New Testament when people in the church had possessions and that was fine. Even here, they met in people's houses. So people still had houses. New Testament church is not a commune, but it is an other-centred community. It's a community where we are not based on our own needs and our own desires and our own wants, but we are considering the other people, people we can invest our lives in, people we we can build community with. And I tell you, intentional church community is counter-culture. It stands out in our world. But I believe it is deeply appealing. I believe it, it actually is very attractive to people who are not in church, who don't understand why people would want to invest in someone's lives when they're not sort of like, immediately like them. This is a church community. I would say in your community group, it's not necessary to invite your friend uh, to, you know, a whole community group meeting all the time, you know, because that can be a bit overwhelming for someone. But I think we have to make sure we don't go the other way. Make sure that you're not embarrassed to introduce your friend to a community group member who might just be older than you or younger than you or richer than you or poorer than you or or just just different from you. Because actually I think the fact that you say, this is my friend, we're in the church together, we spend time together, we enjoy doing that, actually speaks volumes. It's powerful in our mission. So, uh, So let's make sure that we are enjoying our community group community and being public about that to our our friends and people we know. Okay, thirdly, intentional in worship and prayer. We're designed to be worshippers. That's our primary calling as human beings, right? 
At our very core of our being, we are designed to worship God. It's what we will do for eternity if we love Jesus and, and, and we're Christians. We have verses like Ephesians 1 verse 12 that says that we might be for the praise of his glory. And that little word be has all the emphasis in that verse. It means that at our very being, at our very core, we might be worshippers. Created for the praise of the living God. And so if that's our purpose, that that's our very core, you would think that worship would be really easy, wouldn't you? And yet somehow that's not our experience, is it? Especially not uh, in community groups sometimes. There is a kingdom killer. The kingdom killer, I think, is worldliness. And I've got to be honest with you, outside of church, outside of community group, I think worship is one of the first things to go. When I meet with friends, good friends, maybe church, you know, in the church, it's quite likely that we might chat about the people that we know, our non-Christian friends. It's quite likely that we might pray. If there's a situation that needs intercession, then whatever the context with my friends, I might well say, well, let's just pray about that. But you know what? I hardly ever worship. If I'm with friends down the pub or whatever, I look back and I think, when was the last time I said, let's just worship God? Now, doesn't that seem a bit odd to you? Here it is, our very core sort of mandate, the very purpose for our being, and yet it's the very first thing to go. Well, I tell you, brothers and sisters, we need to be intentional. We need to be determined, committed. And I think that's the very thing that community group does. Do you know, it brings a time into my week when I gather together with fellow Christians, brothers and sisters, and we worship. And I'm delighted that we have that opportunity. As a church, we need to be worshipping. Community group makes sure there is another time when we worship. And I think there is tremendous value in that. I would just encourage you in your groups to stick at it. Sometimes the worship can be great. Sometimes it can... It can be a bit tricky. Just stick with the worship in your community group. Keep it Jesus-focused. Make sure the focus is on Jesus. It says that the early church here in Acts, they were devoted to the breaking of bread and of prayer. Now, I think breaking of bread is an excellent thing to do in community group. But aside from that, what it shows is that they were committed so keeping their focus on Jesus. In their worship, they weren't just celebrating what they had here and now. They were saying, we only have all this because of Jesus. Because of his sacrifice on the cross. And I just encourage you, as you worship in your community groups, keep Jesus centre-focused. Because the only reason we can approach God in worship is because he has made the way. Because when we were lost in our sin, God was intentional. And he sent his son into the world. And though he was completely free from sin, the son of the mighty God, God himself, part of the Trinity, he suffered and died on the cross. Carrying the full weight and burden of the sin that was yours and mine. 
But sin could not hold him. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. Jesus is alive today. He offers you salvation so that you can turn to him, so that you can put your trust and your faith on him and his work on the cross. And he will clothe you in righteousness. And he will adopt you into his family and say, you have now secured a future with me. That forever you will be in my presence. That you will reign over all things with me. What a wonderful thing that is. But it is all because of the cross. It is all because of Jesus. And whenever we worship, whenever we gather together, let's keep our focus on Jesus. Let's not forget. Let's not think, isn't it great that we can worship? Let's think it is because of Jesus. And I'll just say, don't be too formal. Don't be too kind of religious. Try and keep your worship kind of varied and light. You see here, they met in the temple. They met in people's homes. There were times when they were filled with awe. There were times when they were glad. You read through God's word, you find so many different forms and types of worship. Laughing and shouting and crying and standing and kneeling and lying on the floor. And There are so many different things to do. Keep your worship varied. Keep it light. Sometimes I think, you know, you can have the coffee time beforehand and it's all lively and chatty and, and you know, a real kind of buzz to the place. And then you start to worship and suddenly it's, it's like something freezes over. You know, let, let's not do that. Let's have as much joy in our worship as we have in our coffee. But let's stick at it. You know when you've worshipped because there's just a sense of awe. It says in, in verse 33, 43, everyone was filled with awe. They know this was a God thing. And you know when you've worshipped because there's just that sense of awe. God was here. Let's aim at that. Let's be intentional at keeping the charismatic, the gifts of the Spirit, as we worship as well. And then let me talk about prayer just briefly. They, they were intentional, not only in worship, but also in prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. In fact, in verse 42 there, there is a definite article. It says they devoted themselves to the prayers. And do you know what I get from that? The only way I can interpret that is that they devoted themselves to the prayer meetings. Of course, in Scripture, we pray at all times, continually. We pray when we're on our own. Jesus prayed when he was on his own. The Apostle Paul repeatedly prays when he's on his own. And yet, these early Christians, as they gathered together, devoted themselves to the prayers. I think this was a corporate activity. And I think community group enables us to be intentional in praying together in joining with one another in prayer. And we need to make sure we do that. One of the things that uh, J. John was saying to us on, on Tuesday was uh, just how important it is that we pray our socks off up to the, and beyond of course, but up to the, uh, the Just Ten mission starting in April. You know, we must be serious about this. We must be intentional. This year, more than any other year, you know, is the, the, the church has got, I mean, it's great to be together. Certain kind of challenges that, that we, we tussle with, these health issues, with Front Edge and Alpha, with Christmas coming up, with, with J. John next year. There is so much that actually we must, we must be praying about. We must be intentional. We've, we've had a, a great week of prayer just gone and, and uh, 
for me, the best time was, was Friday evening. And uh, it was a half night of prayer. We prayed up to not quite midnight. It was about 20 to 12. And uh, I've got to tell you, I wasn't re- really jubilantly looking forward to it. But, uh, but we had a great time. We really did. Just sensing God's favour on us. We prayed and interceded for mission. And, uh, you know, I just encourage you, let's be intentional in prayer. Okay. Lastly, intentional in mission. People say in uh, a community group context, they say, I know my own life should be a witness. I know I should uh, be reaching out to my friends. In fact, I'm doing that. I want to do that. But I don't really see how my community group fits in. I don't really see how those sort of two go together. And do you know what? In a perfect world, which of course it's not, I would be happy with that. The Great Commission is to go and make disciples. It's not to go and build cell groups. And yet, we need to be intentional. Because there are kingdom killers. There are things that stack up against us, successfully sharing our faith and extending the kingdom of God into people's lives. It's things like busyness, shyness, perhaps a bit of a a bone idleness. We need to be intentional. We need to be forceful. We need to make sure that we are right on the button with our mission. We need to make sure we are doing it well. Just think for a moment. If there was no community group, if there was no kind of midweek thing of of the church, what would it be like? Well, I think we would quickly forget the reason for our mission. It would never get up close and personal. We'd never be reminded. I think we would miss out on being accountable to people. There'd be nobody asking me, so David, how's it going with you? What what friendships are you developing and building? Who are you reaching out to? We'd miss out on a whole bunch of prayer. People getting behind me, people getting behind each other and praying for the the, the bridges that that people are, are making into new people's lives. We'd miss out on available resources and and strategies and creativity. Where people say, well, you're going to see that person. Why don't I come and and we'll make a link and we'll do this together? Actually, we need community groups. Studies have shown that growing churches, churches that are seeing people saved and added, need small groups. One example, a, a survey done by a guy called Christian Schwartz, and he surveyed over a thousand different churches in 32 different countries. So it was a pretty extensive survey, and he was looking for the kind of characteristics of churches that were successfully growing, that were healthy, and seeing people saved and added. And he came up with eight key characteristics. They were things like a releasing leadership and body ministry and and uh, worship. But notably, he said, a key one, a key characteristic is the presence of small groups. And he said, if we were to identify any one principle as the most important, then without a doubt, it would be the multiplication of small groups. And he also went on to say what type of groups they should be. And it's not any old group. It's pretty much like we try and build with our community groups. And if we're intentional in our mission, 
If we put such a high importance on it, we're going to say we, we need to make sure we do this, then we will place a high importance on gathering together in community groups. Verse 47, it says, The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's Jesus who is building his church. It is his mission. He saves people. He grafts people into his church. And yet he calls us to join him on his mission. Now Acts 2, 42 to 46, it doesn't say that they preached the gospel. But everything they did was about mission. It was all public. It was all kind of out there and visible. It was all authentic. It wasn't weird and and religious. This was just the church living their lives and being excited about it. So when we read these surveys about this characteristic and that characteristic, it's it's not really that 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 builds the church, but that gets the conditions right. It's all about getting the conditions right. That's the part we play. And then we pray that God comes in his power and actually builds his church. Lawrence Singlehurst, who who heads up Cell UK, he said this, It is the purpose of cell-based evangelism to start a mighty epidemic for Jesus. In your small group, you are affected by the love of Christ and you are empowered to share that love with as many people as possible. But loving people is going to be tough. On occasion, it will require us to love others enough to lay down our own desires for their sake. And he says, I don't know about you, but I need lots of love and encouragement and accountability to keep going. What he's saying is, I see the value of sharing my faith. I see that I need to do it. I see that I want people to be saved. But it's hard. It's tough. And I need help. Well, I just encourage you to keep the witness section of your community group a high priority. Don't let it drop off the end of the program. Make it like the jewel of the evening. This is important. Keep it going. I think increasingly we need to remind ourselves of our vision, of what we want to see God do and how we're going to go out and get it. There is a world of lost people out there. I think more than anything else, that's what J. John reminded us of on Tuesday. You know, there is a world of lost people. And it's up to the church to be there for those people. Actually, although, as J. John spoke, he gave us a lot of kind of encouragement and, and, uh, and fresh vision for just ten, his mission, J. John's thing, actually, he spent all his time on Tuesday, not talking about that, but talking about the church. Talking about how the church has to be strong and healthy and praying and missional at its very core, because if we are not, then really, he needn't bother coming. We've got to get our thinking right. We must be intentional. John Stott says this, and I love this quote. He says, no self-centered, self-contained church absorbed with its own parochial affairs can claim to be filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a missionary spirit. 
So a spirit-filled church is a missionary church. It's high stakes, isn't it? But we can do this. We just need to be intentional. And that's what our community groups enable us to be. I encourage you to be accountable to one another, to be supporting each other in prayer as you build friendships and and look for opportunities to to share your faith and, and bring people forward in their knowledge of the love of Jesus. See how you can be supporting one another. It's not just about inviting your friends who are self-social. That's a good thing to do now and again, but that doesn't work for everybody. But we can work together and be strategic in how we we build connections and links with our our friends and family and whoever who so need to to know the love of Jesus. Do you know, I want us to also be quite flexible in our community group structure across the church. If you've got like a fresh faith for something, if you've got a, a burn for something, then, then share that. Suggest that. What you think is impossible might just be possible. If you've got a fresh idea, if you want to do something new, don't think, well, that doesn't work within the kind of community group structure. No, think, let's, let's be dynamic. Let's be flexible. That's, that's my, my heart. As I'm looking for people with, with a heart for Jesus and a heart for lost and, uh, and, and, and vision to see things change. Now, of course, we need to be a little careful because your good idea might be somebody else's complete undoing. And we need to be strategic and we need to be thinking. But, do you know, it's not about keeping it all tidy and buttoned down. It's about releasing people and about having faith to go out there and see God's kingdom advance into this community. And that's what I want to stoke. That's what I want to fuel. Do you know, I think we could create two or three new community groups just like that. Just with a bit of fresh thinking and, and fresh faith. But, of course, that's not for everybody. I would say for everybody... For every group, let's be thinking and planning how we are going to multiply our community groups. And let's, uh, let's start planning that now. Now, I lead a group at the moment with, uh, with Ali. We, we took over the, the run in that group, I can't remember when, um, back June time, I think, beginning of June. And I have to say, it's my shame, we haven't really had the, the multiplication discussion yet. But that is my plan for, for this week. And you can hold me to it if, if you're in my group. We're going to talk about multiplication. I think that should be our goal from the start. You know, I don't want our groups to get kind of stale and flabby. You know, we think, to be honest, this is how it's going to carry on forever because that's, that's their thinking. Now, let's be dynamic, exciting, risky. Let's be expecting people to be saved and added in. Let's be making it so that that can happen. And let's be trying to keep our groups small because they've multiplied and they've stayed a small, tight unit. So ask the question, what needs to happen to facilitate multiplication? And then let's plan for it. Is it that you need to see three people saved? Well, who are those three people? Is it that you need to see leaders raised up? Well, let's start thinking, who could lead alongside us? Let's look for two kind of nuclei in the group, you know, which actually might end up being two, two groups. Let's plan. Let's be intentional. Intentional in mission. You know, there is a time expiry on people's lives. 
And we need to wake up to that. I uh, had this thing on Amazon.com. They, they were offering a, a free um, upgrade to like their super deluxe membership, which gave you free delivery and stuff for a month. But if you didn't cancel this thing after a month, you immediately got hit with the annual subscription. You know, it's first month free, but if you don't cancel it, you're in trouble. And I, was, I made sure because this was on the church credit card, I made sure that I wasn't going to miss that date. I put alarms in my schedule. I, uh, you know, I, I put notes on my, on my wall. I said, don't miss the date. And actually, when it came to it, I forgot. I had to go back into the, the building. I had to unlock, set the alarm. I had to turn my computer back on so I could cancel this stupid subscription thing. There was a time expiry. Do you know, there is a time expiry on people's lives. Salvation is there available to them. But time is running out. We need to be determined. We need to be intentional. We need to make sure that we don't just kind of aim at mission, but we do it and we do it well. And that, I believe, is why we have community groups. I think they offer so much to us as a church, and although, you know, it's, you think, well, is, is it biblical? Where do you find community groups in the church? Well, I think you find it right there in Acts 2, 42. They devoted themselves. They were intentional. They prioritized. Do you know the rest of that passage, you just, you don't think this, this wasn't hard. This wasn't a burden to them. Actually, you read verses devoted, they feel a bit awe. They were glad. They, were, they enjoyed the favor of the people. Do you know, I think, I'm not just cracking the whip and saying, kind of, work harder. Actually, when we get in step with the Spirit, it is the place of true joy. And I want, you know, our, our involvement as a church to be just so rewarding, so fulfilling. And I think that's what God offers us when we actually get on his page and, and live in a way that he wants us to live.